0: The Elephant in the Pew.
1: Welcome to the Elephant in the Pew
0: podcast, where they engage in the topics everyone wants to talk about, but nobody wants to discuss.
1: From the Elephant Portable Studio, here are your hosts, Stephen Whitten and
0: Ryan Reggie. I was just like broken. And doing it, yeah. But just to, to hear what he had been dealing with internally for 10 years, it had been 10 years since it happened. I mean, it was amazing, you know, the things he said. And I was like, immediately I was like, you know, I think we need to address this as Elephant in the
1: Pew. Welcome to the Elephant in the Pew podcast, the show that brings you our opinions in a nicely tuned, well-oiled, chaotic sound clip. To engage in the topics everyone wants to talk about but nobody wants to discuss, I'm Stephen Witten.
0: And I'm Ryan Ramsey. Thanks very much for tuning in today. This show is sponsored by ElephantPew.com. That's right, ElephantPew.com, your one-stop source for everything Elephant the Pew, including podcasts and resources and links to blogs and every other thing that ends up on a higher note.
1: Yep. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day, evening, morning, whenever you decided to listen to us. Today, we're going to be talking about PTSD.
0: And it's not a rap group. I know it sounds kind of like that, but we're going to be talking about PTSD in the church specifically. And we're not talking about pastors who develop PTSD after dealing with a bunch of crazy congregants either.
1: Which is actually, that can happen, but not (laughs) in that, that's probably, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to go that direction. Those are the churches that we don't
0: talk about. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that right now, because... Uh, it's not what we're talking about. So, um, interestingly enough, um, I have a great friend who um, I grew up with, and he and I were were best friends in high school. And so, you know, we did the whole like uh, car thing and learned how to drive together, and we worked together. And uh, I I remember we his dad owned a uh, a, uh, a restaurant in town, so I worked for the restaurant. And the best nights were when he was on the grill and I was on the fryer, because it was like magic. Everything just clicked, you know? It was like, it was like we weren't just making hamburgers. We were we were making memories, you know? Kind of deal. <laughs> Something like that. So, uh, yeah, good times and doing that. So, on September 11th, 2001, we were sophomores in high school. Both of us couldn't drive yet, and uh, I used to ride my moped up there to work, because it was in my town I grew up in. And so... Uh, Rode my moped up there, went to work, and I remember um, in class that day, uh, we were doing the I-STEP, which in Indiana is like your uh, graduation qualifying exam, your sophomore year, so they didn't tell us that it happened until like lunchtime, because they didn't want to mess up our testing, so uh, mm. everybody else knew, and was like watching coverage, so we got out like, what, so uh, looking back, I was a little, I'm still kind of angry about that, because I was like, man, should have let us at least have our moment, but anyways, so uh, I remember sitting there taking the test and one of the, uh, the uh, counselor, the school counselor walked up to me and I was, it was like during the math portion or something. She was like, Ryan, you need to pray for our nation right now. And I was like, um, okay. <laughs> like, is this part of, is this part of the test? You know, <laughs> like, is, is this, I,
1: this, is this coming up on the test? Like you're giving me, <laughs> you're giving me inside information <laughs> on how to cr- graduate. I need to pray math session. Pray plus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, we didn't know until we got out. So anyways, I worked that night at the restaurant, and um, my buddy, uh, he was like, I want to, and, and uh, you know, excuse the derogatory language, but we were pretty angry. A lot of us were that day, uh, especially going on. But he said, hey, I want to kill me some ragheads. That was kind of what we were talking about, you know. What I mean? mm-hmm. And so um, it was, uh, it was, a weird time and if you were alive during that uh, you'd know exactly those feelings because we for the first time felt like yeah. we, had, we had been um, breached you know what I mean and so yeah. it, it people have a hard time understanding because it's been long ago now but after that happens um, unity a lot of unity happen, but it also brings out emotions and passions inside you you didn't know you even had because yeah. um, you're kind of like fight or flight kicks in so um, so I knew probably that that day that he was going to join the military I didn't know what one. so that was still two years down the road or whatever and uh, two and a half years and so you know sport fast forward he signs up for the Marines and I was gonna go with him in the buddy system and I went to uh, uh, like one or two um, PT sessions physical training sessions and I was like I can't join the Marines <laughs> they run way too much no so um we start doing that, and then, uh, so he pursues the whole Marine thing, and uh, he served like four tours back um, wow. in other places. He was in the in the active duty of the Marine Corps for like eight or nine years. Um, he uh, got a, a bad injury when he was in on one of his tours, and um, he has on like his medical help that he gets now for sleeping and a bunch of other things. Well, so we were, uh, uh, interesting enough, he's ended up, he's married now, he's got kids, and he's back in the area in Indiana, So and he's out of the Marines now. And, uh, he, uh, shared with me their day about, um, we were having coffee and that he had been struggling over the last year with PTSD and that he had been meeting with, um, uh, psychologists at the, the VA and, um, you know, helping get through a lot of that. And, um, so I was like, wow, it was like, hit me like a ton of bricks, you know? And I was like, okay, wow. So I didn't really share that with anybody cause I felt that was private information and stuff like that. So I, um, I just kind of was praying for him and stuff like that. And um, then, a couple weeks after that, maybe even longer, maybe three or four weeks, um, he posted an open letter on Facebook where he told everybody, which was a really cool thing. Um, And what it was, was he um, had a good friend who was killed on their first tour. And um, so, like, they weren't with him when it happened. He was out with somebody else or something like that. I don't know the full details. But they never got to see him. They never got to say goodbye. Like, they just heard it happened and it was like, that was it, you know? And mm-hmm. so he went to um, meet his wife and see the grave. Um, I, I think it was in Michigan that they lived, but he went up there and he was able to do that. And so he wrote this letter to to his friend, um, an open letter, and put it on Facebook about all the feelings and emotions he's having. And I read it and I was just like, I was just like broken when I was reading it, you know, because I knew, you know, he just told me that he was, but just to, to hear what he had been um, dealing with internally for ten years. It had been ten years since that had happened. And I mean it was it was just amazing kind of things he said and I was like immediately I was like, you know, I think we need to address this as Elf in the pew. Like there are like I have statistics here because um I got off PTSD united says seventy percent of adults in the US have experienced some type of traumatic event, at least once in their lives. This equates to approximately to 223.4 million people, up to 20% of these people go on to develop PTSD. As of today, that equates to approximately 44.7 million people who are uh, who were or are struggling with PTSD. And then, an estimated 8% of Americans, 24.4 million people, have PTSD at any given time. That is equal to the total population of Texas. Okay. Wow. So just take Texas and say they all have PTSD, and that's what's going on. An estimated one out of every nine women develops PTSD, making them about twice as likely as men. Okay? So, um, and, and the rising concern with this, um, th- some of the re- things I want to talk about are this. A, military. They used to call PTSD shell shock or other things when people came back from war. Um, but, you know, it was just a fancy name to give people uh, kind of like an excuse or whatever. For it, and uh, you know, they felt like, oh well, they're just they're gonna readjust one of these days, but they didn't get the help that they needed then, and, and that's what turned so many um, soldiers, uh, veterans, to come back and turn to alcohol, drugs, whatever. Vietnam was awful for this because uh, all the people that were drafted and sent to Vietnam, and that was just there was no there was no purpose for that war, and there's you know it was hard to see uh, what was going on, so they came back with all these PTSD symptoms and no way to deal with it, terms of drugs and alcohol. Um, and
1: not a lot of support.
0: Oh, yeah. Not a lot of support. In fact, my grandpa just went on a, a thing to, uh, what was it called? I can't remember what it was called. But he, uh, they flew him out to D.C. in this big um, thing to give him the uh, welcome that they deserved when they came back from Vietnam. And so instead, of, like, he, when he came back from Vietnam, had to wear his civvies when he got off the plane so that they didn't get attacked or whatever. So from, <laughs> isn't that crazy? So, wow. um, yeah. So they actually, like, cheered him on. They went, it that's kind of a side story. But. All that to say that they came back with these PTSD symptoms and they couldn't even like, like they didn't get sympathy for it. Like they didn't get help because they were like, you know, well you're just a baby killer, so that's what you deserve, you know, things like yeah, that. Which and, is ridiculous. Yeah. And so, um, all that being said, now we have since I was a sophomore in high school, and I'm 31 now, so it's been fifth, how many years have we been in this war for Iraqi freedom or against terror? I mean, how many years has it been? Um, let's see, 2001. 2016.
1: Yeah, we didn't really start sending troops till the beginning of the first quarter of 2002. So it's been almost 15 years. Yeah,
0: so we've been in this war actively for 15 years, and so basically in my formative years, high school through college, we've been at war, and um, so I, there's a whole generation of people around our age um, who are now who are back back in civilized life because they've served eight years, four years, eight years in the military, and they have PTSD. And um, they're like people look at them like, why don't you get your act together? Why don't you just you know why don't you just fix whatever you're doing? And and the problem is is that and this is what I want to talk about today. The church does the same thing. Like, have you ever 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 heard anybody talk about PTSD in church?
1: No. Uh. Well. No. I was trying <laughs> to think. We've talked about soldiers and we've talked about war but we've never really talked about PTSD. And I think the reason why we you don't hear one, because people don't know how to approach it. Right. And um I think a lot of ministers are and pastors are are um they don't want to hit the heavy stuff on church on yeah. Sundays especially. Um I'm not saying that, that that's right. I'm just I'm just saying I think a yeah. lot of people want to steer clear of those heavy issues on Sunday mornings. That's why we don't hear a lot about it.
0: Yeah, and so um, there's a major stigma that comes with it too. Um, another thing you'll you'll find interesting is that um, a lot of police officers have PTSD. In fact, um, a lot of PT a lot of police officers. Um, don't tell uh, about their PTSD symptoms because of the stigma that comes with it. Did you know that um, PTSD was once considered a psychological condition of combat veterans who were shocked, quote-unquote, by the, un- and unable to face their expectations on the battlefield? So, like, it was a stigma, like, oh, you have PTSD because you couldn't, like, you couldn't make it as a soldier. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, <laughs> And so then they don't get help. So a lot of the times the same thing goes in the police officer world. Like, if you say you're having psychological issues dealing with um, violence or with the situations that you're put in time and time again, um, your other officers, if they found out, would look at you like, oh, you just can't handle it. You know, you just can't make the cut. You know, you're just not good enough. You just quit, you know. (laughs) And so that's that's the problem. So um, there are very brave men and women with PTSD who are coming to our churches, and they are um, involved. But they're really struggling, and nobody knows. And my friend is is, um, one of those. And until recently, it's been kind of his quiet struggle. And so things that people with PTSD um, have a hard time with. uh, Flashing lights um, can cause things. uh, Crowds of people can cause things. Loud noises can cause things. So I think about... um, Modern worship. I'm not, and I'm not knocking modern worship. Obviously, um, it just it is what it is. It's kind of got a, a concerty atmosphere sometimes, depending on the church you go to. But it's loud, it's flashing lights, and big crowds of people. You know. So, um, what are we doing to help um, our men and women who are struggling with PTSD? How are we serving them so that they can have? worship with God, how are we serving them so that they can have closeness to God because if they have anxiety, social anxiety disorders, um, like that PTSD cause, how are we helping them? Um, How are we helping them to um, on a road to spiritual recovery? I mean, hopefully they're getting help from the VA, um, or another psychological help that, because obviously we shouldn't be dabbling in psychological areas, but spiritually, you know, that's our realm, and how can we help them spiritually get back? So, so, anyways, these are the questions I'm wondering, and this is why I want to talk about this. And that was a huge long intro, but um, <clears throat> I just think if I have that much to say just to introduce it, um, and I've never heard anybody talk about it, um, I think it needs to be talked about. I think we're missing something.
1: Yeah. Um, I I agree. I think that one of our uh one of the big issues um within the church is that um we don't we we have released a lot of our responsibility and given it to people um, that may or may not be the ones that need e- to be needing to do this. Um, speaking of, you know, the church should always be a loving place, should always be there. The, the pastors sh- and leaders within the church should be um, in touch with counselors. There should be Christian counselors out there. I, I would even say that there should be, you know... Um, yeah. Christian psychologists, mm-hmm. you know, that actually help with um, this, that that should be their focus. And I'm sure there are. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there there are thousands of people out there. I just have not seen them. Yeah. In my in my neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, I know. I know Kokomo one specifically a guy who's a Christian psychologist and, and and when you say Christian psychologist, it's kind of like he's a Christian and he's a psychologist. So yeah, he looks right. at psychology through the lens of Christianity. So, exactly. But he still operates in the, the medical diagnosis field for psychology. Yeah. So um, I think that's what you're talking about, right? Like yeah. people who look at things through a Christian lens and it's yeah. not just all about medicating, but it's about understanding there's a yeah, spiritual side to it too.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like I think one thing that, and we've said this before on the show several times, is that a lot of times what the church has kind of relinquished – our responsibility on certain things, such as taking care of the poor and the weak, um, and giving it, giving it to the government. When I mean, let's just let's put it in perspective. How many people do you think? Um, I mean, we. I was actually just talking about this to um somebody the other day about the VA, how we feel like the government is not doing their job mm-hmm. with the VA, yeah, um, and that alone makes me wonder like why are the why is the church allowing certain things to be controlled by the government and run by the government when we should be the ones or we should have been the ones and we still should be the ones right taking care of these people medically um mentally and spiritually i mean that's yeah that's what we've been called to do right is to take care of these people yeah and i i guess i and i mostly
0: agree with that i would say it's not the church's job to take care of them medically, or well, that's not necessarily true. I think <laughs> I think of like um, I guess I this is this is what I'm trying not to say. Can we can I just summarize it like that? Um, w- as a pastor, especially, we need to know our limits. So if somebody has a psychological condition, you need to get them to a psychologist and not try and right. counsel them because you could do more damage than good.
1: Uh, ex- well What I'm trying to say is is like there should be church funded. Hospitals, right? Church funded,
0: like uh, around here, like St. Vincent. Yeah, um, there the Catholic churches has funded them, and they. they yeah, would,
1: yeah. But wait, why? When, but when did it become part of? Like before uh, Social Security, before Medicaid, mm-hmm. before Medicare, and everything. Like the churches were in charge of the hospitals, right? And everything. And now we have state-run hospitals and state-run this or private mm-hmm. institutions. Right. Um, and that's where I was saying, I'm not saying that the pastors should be the ones counseling. I'm not saying that right, I was right. saying like leaders within the church should be funneling in, funneling some of our money. I mean, that's what we've been called to like in their New Testament. It talks about how the disciples brought their money together and they put a portion of it to take care of the poor, the widows. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't we doing that? Right. I, mean, I don't I'm not saying that every church doesn't have, you know, um, a portion of that but why are we you see a bunch of huge church buildings being built by you know millions of dollars of um you know to put in um decorations within these churches and we're not using that money to you know funnel into feeding the poor taking right. care of um the sick Wh- why aren't we doing that and that's where i'm like that's where i think you know the church has relinquished it and i think in the case of ptsd we've just kept our hands off of it because we think you know um taking what you're saying we don't want to overstep our bounds and when somebody should be taken care of medically absolutely but why isn't there a doctor out there that is tied or being paid by the church to right take care of. There
0: probably is. I'm Um, I'm sure there is And the hard hard part of this stuff is, a lot of this stuff is always not under the table, but it's not like publicized, you know what I mean? Because churches don't want, A, people to feel embarrassed or feel like, hey, we're doing this big thing, like it just happens and, you know, people got doctors get paid to do that or whatever. So um, I think that's part of it. Um, But I I do think that churches don't also understand how big PTSD is. They they don't think about it. Um, Because largely a lot of people who come to church aren't suffering from it. Because they're there, you know what I mean. Or if they yeah. are, it's not so bad that they can't be around large crowds or whatever. Um, and so, I'm always an advocate for the person who's not there yet. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, so like, let's look around our congregation. Who who isn't here? What people from our community are not here? And then let's find out why. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is it that we can do in the case of PTSD or any other? Um, what can we do to help them? Um, help them come to church. And so, there's just such a stigma around PTSD, and I think that. It causes uh, men and women who have it to not want to, especially out of, some of them, you know, feel shame about it, um, which they shouldn't. Uh, it's Absolutely not. it never it, feel shame about something
1: it, it, well, like that. Like that. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to. I, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> you were you were still going on. I interrupted you. I You're didn't
0: like never feel shame about something I'm like about oh. something
1: like that. I mean, like, yeah. if something that you are suffering from, like, you know. Yeah. No, nobody. Sh- nobody who has cancer should feel shame about having cancer. Yeah,
0: but the uh, the shame comes from culture as far as yeah. PTSD and what it has been called historically. So they don't feel they want to tell people about that, and they don't have that shame. And so um, we need to um, just realize that that they might not come to us. We might need to be ready and willing to see the signs in people, you know. And so. Seeing as how the estimated population of those who suffer from PTSD is what we know—the size of Texas, basically the population mm-hmm. of Texas—we um, have to also consider that there is a large portion of people who just deal with it and medicate um, through drugs or alcohol or any other thing they self-medicate with just to cope. Right. And so um, the pop that number is probably a lot bigger than we think it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if we have people out there that aren't willing to admit that they have PTSD mm-hmm. then they probably wouldn't fill out the survey that said mm-hmm. they do and so that 40 that 40 million or is it, is it around 40, forty million? 44. Point. 44 point something million. Mm-hmm. So let's just say I, I would say that you can probably give or, give or take tw- 10 15%. So if you look at that like you're probably looking at closer to 50 to 60 million people mm-hmm. that probably suffer from PTSD but 10 to 15 million probably don't want it to be out there to say that they do or right. that they're, you know, willing to admit that they do. Yeah. Because of the whole idea that, you right. know, it's shameful or right. whatever because of how our culture in the past, I mean, and I th- I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not one to, you know, go along with culture, but I think our culture is kind of changing. I think mm. we're um People are becoming more and more open to the idea that you know PTSD is one; it's real thing. It's it's yeah. something that people suffer from, and two, that it's not it's you're not something that somebody's some just of, making up.
0: Yeah, and it's not, it's n- and you're also not some sort of freak if you have it. Like yeah. a lot of people are struggling with this, and like uh, that, 22 veterans kill themselves every day in the United States of America, and so there's this thing going around Facebook that. Um, people doing 22 push-ups for like a week or a month or something like that. Every day. Every day. Um, So that those um, they remember those those people who are doing that and that we could bring awareness so that we realize people are, a lot of it's because of PTSD and they're struggling. And so like you'll see if you have any military friends post about this stuff, they'll say the demons got them. Uh, the the demons got another one. And so they literally, a uh, person who, a vet or whatever, literally refers to PTSD as demons. And so imagine having those demons after you you know, if that's what it feels like. Every day, all day, you know. Mm. So, wh- I mean, what was, literally, what did Jesus do when he was on earth? Cast out demons. Cast out demons, you know. Yeah. So, so I would think that uh, the work of the church would uh, largely be interested in helping people get out of PTSD. You yeah. know what I mean? Get through it. Oh, definitely should be. Um, and so, just all these things keep adding up in my mind and heart, and that's why I, I really wanted to continue addressing this. Because, as a church, I want to ask the question that, like, are we helping People with PTSD, or are we hindering them by what we do? Like specifically, knowing the things that they struggle with, um, knowing things sensory, um, emotionally, um, all of those things. Knowing those, do do are we helping or hindering them?
1: Yeah, and I think um, I'm I'm gonna throw it a little bit. I'm gonna throw the church under the bus a little bit here, but I do that often. Um, I think if we're not helping them, in essence, we are hindering. Mm-hmm. You know, like just because you aren't actively hindering something um, doesn't mean that you're helping. You know? yeah.
0: Um, that's the argument that there is no neutral, that it, something either brings you closer to God or further away from God. Yeah, Same
1: exactly. Thing. It's that whole the sin of omission versus sin of commission. Yeah. You know, like the whole idea is like um, knowing that we probably, not w- that's not probably, we should be helping these um, people that um, suffer from PTSD and yet for the large part, I'm not saying that every church uh, doesn't, but I'm, you know, for the large part, I don't see very many church-run organizations that are actively helping PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so we probably should be looking into these things. Why? Why? Why aren't we? Why aren't churches more right. active in that? And right. I think it's it boils down to is that church doesn't know how big mm-hmm. PTSD is. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of these numbers but I we since we don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, we're like and I think sometimes pastors don't talk about it because they are afraid that if they start talking about it then that might trigger something in people and then mm. PTSD would be you know, something that and like, um they don't want to be able they don't wanna be the one that causes more pain. And so so we don't talk about it. It's much like a lot of things in the church over the last you know, 2000 hun- two years where there are certain times that we just don't talk about a certain thing because it would be bring more damage than good. good. And so that's kind of. Or at least we perceive that it would. Yeah, it's a, perce- it's a perception that it will cause more damage. When in essence, if we just open up the door and we start talking about it, it's like, oh, we can actually start working through these processes. And then, like, oh, now we can actually help people heal and you know like that That's I think that's one of those things where if we're not helping then we're more than likely hindering I think that's where I'm going with it is like if your church has a uh, a ministry that helps with PTSD then great keep keep it going you know but if you don't have a ch- if your church doesn't have a ministry or doesn't have some kind of organization to help with this mm. then maybe you should be the one that says hey why don't we right. why don't we bring this up
0: Right, and I think my friend told me that people with PTSD don't like to talk about having PTSD. <laughs> and so, like, if you're like, "Hey, let's start a group of people with PTSD to help each other get through," p- p- <laughs> That's having probably PTSD, not the right way to do it. Well, it, it just uh, it's not successful because people are like, "I don't want to talk about it. I live with it every day." You know what I mean? I try yeah. and forget about it. Um, where actually, you know, and as as well as I do, that freedom comes in talking about it. You know, um, and not that it, PTSD is sin. You know, in the Bible, talks about sin that uh, when where light is, no darkness can exist. Right. Right so, but the same thing goes for demons and those things that follow you around. Like, um, if you put light on it, it can't exist anymore. And if people who know. So the the issue is probably, um, I would say, I agree with you. I would say we are hindering, and I don't think we're intentionally doing it. I think it's it's one of the many, many areas um, that the church has a hard time um, figuring it out as far as, as that goes, and and getting getting with it, um, just it's like homosexuality. Um, we we hinder homosexuals from coming to church because of stereotypes with other churches, being hateful towards them. Yeah. And um, because we're not honest with them from the beginning a lot of times. Um, yeah. You know, I've, we want you here, but uh, there will be limits to what you can do, you know what I mean, as far as serving and um, being involved yeah. in leadership. Uh, but we do want you here, and you're welcome to come and be a part of this church. Um, yeah. So that's, that's I think we have a hard time with those subjects that are sticky and, and, and seeing that because they're hard. And so instead of dealing with them, a lot of times we just
1: kind of just like sweep them under the rug and kind of not even go near it. Um, I think, you know, maybe it's not so much of starting a ministry that um, is like a group where people with PTSD can come and talk. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, you know, setting up church programming in a way that is Mm PTSD-friendly, you know? Like, let's have a worship service that doesn't have um, bigger crowds, you know. Right. Well, I mean, if you're a bigger church, why don't you set all set aside and say, "Hey, let's have a smaller church service." Yeah, a more p- intimate gathering. Yeah. Um. Maybe you know. Maybe you do it like a Sunday night or a Saturday night or something yeah, like that. And like, then like an acoustic service. Acoustic service. No flashing lights. No big drums. Just no, house lights. Just you know, and, and make it more something that um, somebody that would that suffers from PTSD wouldn't normally come on Sunday morning because right. he's a af- he or she's afraid that. That would trigger something in them, right? Right. So maybe that is something that you do it. You do it, um, not necessarily like head-on attacking the 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 situation, but like options. Yeah, Yeah. you know, um, just giving programming options, having support groups available if they need to, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, having um, small groups Mm -hmm. that you know are sensitive to that. You know, it's just having those options. That that could be a ministry in and of itself. You don't have to necessarily say we are going to start a PTSD ministry. <laughs> like, <laughs> if maybe you, you come
0: know, to this ministry, everybody will know that you struggle right, with maybe that's PTSD. not what you need to
1: do. But maybe what you need to do is say, hey, you know, because this fits in, you know, well with a lot of other things. There's a lot of people that don't come to church because. Well, of I mean, I
0: think of like in this conversation, like social anxiety issues. Like, oh, absolutely. I remember uh, there was a lady who came to our church once, and she had a little like a a little dog that she with her. It was like, um, what do they call those? Like, uh, kind of like medical dogs, but they're like, uh, Yeah, like, a, I know what Assistants you're or whatever. So yeah. basically for her, it was for anxiety. The dog helped keep her anxiety down and it like alerted her when she was having, going into panic attacks or whatever. So, um, and so people would be like, all the time, "Why is your dog here? Like, it was like, give me yeah. a yeah, break. Just leave the lady alone. You know yeah. So like, Think About that, like lots of people with those other anxieties, not even PTSD, PTSD is just one of those. Yeah, like we have created sometimes events or you know that are not friendly to that.
1: Yeah, sometimes we um we forget about um the uh individuals because we're so focused on the majority, mm-hmm. you know, like we, we we want the majority to be, yeah, ex- you know. Willing to come on a regular basis, that yeah. we forget that there's still a um, there's still several individuals that don't feel comfortable to fit right. in with the majority. So why are we focused so much on the majority? I, I understand why. It's yeah, and it,
0: it comes down to practicality. I mean, resources, uh, time, people. You know, so like we money we we don't have um we don't have unlimited of those. So we have to throw our kind of um fish into the right barrel and kind of guess at what yeah. that would hit the most people and so that that's what happens but like I, I like what you're saying though like i think there are ways that we can um create another option that yeah. wouldn't necessarily kill the budget kill volunteers kill the extra time you know what i mean like it yeah. would it would be something that work alongside and it wouldn't just be for people like that so uh, w- or people with ptsd or anxiety issues like it could it Maybe there's people who just like acoustic music better. You know what I mean. So exactly. you know they come and they bring their kids. An and
1: alternative programming that another choice. It, yeah, it's and it's not it's not a different um, message. I mean, you know, like it's a different. It's just a different layout of programming. It's not, mm. but everything else is the same. You know, that so, keeps I mean, that
0: like, keeps the the others in mind. You know, yeah, what I mean? exactly. The because uh,
1: well, I think about like. Um, my wife, she, she works with autistic kids. Yeah. And a lot of autistic kids can't deal with loud noises, um, flashing lights and stuff like that because it, it sets them off into a, a, um, a behavior or, or something like that. And so if we had other options, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud of like what churches could do, you know, offer alternative programming for these, for, you know, for people like this that can't do that. And why you know why isn't the church you know visiting these avenues? I can I understand that time and money and resources and everything are, are limited, but there's yeah. there are there are ways to go about things that make to make these things possible. Yeah.
0: So um, then the numbers are you know there's of course estimates because it's hard to get anywhere from eight confirmed percent of Americans to a, th- a high of thirteen to fifteen percent of Americans um, have PTSD. So. Um, the question is, sort of practically, what's that look like? So well, how big is your church? How many people come to your church regularly on oh, Sunday morning?
1: Well, just for safety's sake, we'll say 500 on so Sunday morning. 500.
0: So 500. Uh, so, you know, 10% of that would be 50 people. So we'll say anywhere between
1: 45
0: and 60 people come to your church on Sunday morning and they have PTSD, Yeah, statistically speaking. So um, what are, you know, that's a decent size Group of people. Yeah, um, absolutely. And if we're not addressing that now, throw on top of that any other social anxiety issues or whatever, autistic stuff, um, you know, that number could climb pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, we are setting them up for failure if we aren't thinking about them and for programming as far as um, not creating new programming, like you're saying. I like that. But uh, as we create options for them, that we would, somebody, would consider the others, the people who aren't there yet, the people who are struggling um, with those kinds of things. So um, so kind of the last thing I want to hit on before we wrap things up is, um, you know, they say just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. So we've talked about some of the cons too about changing, I mean, money, time, volunteers, all this stuff. Um, so the question is, should we change our culture for people suffering with PTSD? Um, because, you know, I obviously am passionate about it. Um, I think a lot of people my age are passionate about it. I think I, it resonates with me because I almost went into the military, and there's a strong pers- possibility that I would have PTSD if I would have done that and been sent out and mm-hmm. seen what men and women my age saw in the battlefield. Um, you know, so I I have a heart for that, and I think you know it's our job to a let's separate the patriot from Christian here. I am dividing a line just so everybody knows <laughs> as we talked about. The Patriot side of me says, yeah, we need to take care of people who fought for our freedom, right? Yeah, Whatever absolutely. way that is. I mean, the people, even before people who get government programs, you know, veterans should get first dibs and all that stuff. you know, yeah, Because absolutely. they're the ones who bought it with their lives um, and their experiences. So, And then the Christian side of me says, yeah, because Christ says we're supposed to take care of those who are hurting, who need healing. Uh, we're supposed to help cast out demons. Um, whether those are actual demons or even just psychological um, help them get to where they exactly they need to be so both sides of me separate from each other uh, not not mixing Christian with patriot um, say that it's the right thing to do so
1: well and I'm gonna flip it on I, I like to flip the, these questions on their heads I guess but my question is is it's not that should we change our culture but why isn't our culture already adapted to this right you know I mean like again the bi- uh, f- since the beginning, of the church, this has been our call, is to take care of the weak, the poor, the w- widow, the marginalized, the, the the ill. And so why aren't we, why isn't this already, like, why, that's the thing, is like, this whole idea, like, early on, you know, shell-shocked and everything like that, why wasn't the church right there, mm-hmm. ready to take care of those people? And
0: I think it's because society labeled them as, like, defunct. They were like, oh, they, you know, they, Mm, they couldn't really cut being a warrior soldier you know like they weren't very manly especially back then when the men were fighting uh, yeah and and so
1: I, I, st- I, you know and i still say you know then shame on the shame on the uh the church leaders at the time for letting that be the reason for not taking care of these people now that's in the past let's work look forward mm-hmm. um so should we yeah absolutely there's no there's no question there that we should change um but i still say why aren't we why, yeah. why isn't our culture already adapted to this mentality?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, it goes much deeper even to helping the individuals. Like, uh, and as I sit here and think about it, I think about all of the wives who have laid next to their husbands for, um, even since World War II, whatever, they've yeah. been shell-shocked or they have been, you know, what they have, what we'd call PTSD now, and... Have um, loved them through the night terrors and the screaming and the waking and the sweating and you know all the stuff that happened like and they've just kind of kept that secret for them because they knew there was shame in that for their yeah. husband and how much they wanted to help and how much they couldn't. I think about the kids as they had to watch their dad go through this stuff. Um, exactly. And I think about so not only so th-
1: it's not just the one person that's right. That so that so actually you have the PTSD. percentage
0: of PTSD, but then all the people around them. Yeah. Um, and how that that can help and 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 really change um a life and change uh, a ministry so um yeah so i, I think uh, it's it's really important and i would go as far to say is, yeah i think i think that we should that we should help them and i should think that the church really does need to help them through that so there is the bells so you know what that means it's time for our closing thoughts on this issue steven
1: Alright, um, so my, my closing thoughts really boils down to uh, this with um, what should the church do when it comes to PTSD? Um, we should be loving, we should be accepting, we should be... Um, have our, our hearts open and our minds open to the idea that not everybody um, is... Uh, susceptible to how to the spirit as you are we should definitely have the ability to um to understand that there are sometimes people who need um to experience the holy spirit differently than we do for them to um feel feel that spirit move so like this whole idea of like It's what it boils down to right now, what we've been talking about strictly um, has been worship service. And, you know, sometimes that this eternal debate that we have of like, should we do contemporary? Should we do more culturally driven um, services? Sometimes it's the quiet moments. Maybe we should, you know, instead of changing or having separate um, services, maybe we have, you know, half and half. Maybe some weeks we do a normal service and then some weeks we have a quiet service and some weeks we have, you know, just an open experiential worship. It, You know, these are things that um, worship pastors and pastors in general should be thinking about of not fitting into a mold, sticking it out sit week after week, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe that we should try to fit and reach everybody, not just the majority. And so um I think that um the church and I always feel like I'm you know bashing the church but you know I feel like we should not have to change our culture. I think our culture should already be there, but because I know it's not, we should change our, our culture in this in t- to fit with not only PTSD but other anxiety issues. And other illnesses in the church that are, you know, um, driven by like this, you know, there are mental illnesses out there that that suffer from, you know, people can't g- go to a large crowd. Well, if you have people that you know of in your church that can't do that, then maybe you should start a, you know, a, a secondary uh, service or option. Or, or option for them so that they don't have to deal with the, you know, 500 to 1,000 people that are coming to your church on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. you know, now that's not the average, we know the average is around 200, but maybe you should think about doing a quieter service or stuff like that, just because that's how we should always be mindful of people's hearts and their well-being mm-hmm. in the church and so that's kind of what I'm thinking That's those are my closing thoughts on this this topic is, you know just, you know, educate yourself. Try to be as educated as possible when it comes to PTSD because I know that before we started talking about this, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. I, I, those numbers astound me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that when you boil it down to one out of every, uh, eight to 13, so let's say 10%, so one out of every 10 people is suffers from PTSD. That means that out of the 30 or 40 people that I'm, interact with on a daily basis four of them have PTSD mm-hmm. so maybe we should you know just educate ourselves on how to interact how mm-hmm. to um, minister to these people and then maybe we can you know actually change our culture and change our our mindset and our outlook mm-hmm. you can find me on stones dot com or elephant com. that will have tons of stuff about me and, um, my, uh, social media sites.
0: Gotcha. Thanks Stephen. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, yeah, my closing thoughts on this issue. So, um, I'm going to go a little different direction, Stephen. Uh, I agree completely with what he said. Um, and I'm just going to talk about another issue that's kind of popped into my, my, my head is that, um, yeah, a different option's great. Um, in that, but probably the thing that'll help more than anything is, um, a safe place for um, somebody with PTSD or struggling with these social anxiety disorders um, to go. So sometimes that safe place is another option for a worship service. But probably more than, we know it's not going to be a PTSD (laughs) publicized group uh, necessarily because a lot of people with the stigma with PTSD aren't willing to do that uh, or talk about it. Um, So probably more than anything is uh, relationships with people and getting to know people and getting safe enough with them to ask them those questions if they struggle with those things. And if that's something you feel called to, um, you probably also feel called to loving on on soldiers and vets. And so I would just encourage you to continue building relationships with vets and soldiers and to pursue those things. And if you get um, in a relationship close enough to them to ask them those questions if they struggle with those things. And then begin to help them work through either pointing them towards somebody for psychological help if it's something they're really struggling with um, that you know, they they really need help with, um, or um, giving them spiritual help, um, not to replace psychological, but that will point them to a different way to cope with PTSD other than uh, self medication through different things. Um, that would give them, um, the ability to uh, seek God and seek Christ in those situations and and to do that because, um, I think. The more I do ministry, the the more that changes. The thing that changes people more than anything is just relationships with one another. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he um, only picked twelve people to be his disciples. That's why he engaged in people one on one. He often spoke to the crowd, but you see him speaking to individuals a lot more than the crowd. Um, and he uh, <laughs> almost all the times he spoke to the crowd, it was to drive away the crowd, to to teach a hard teaching, to thin the herd. Um, that then the people out and so he was really about the individual and the personal relationship and and we know that in our own lives because he's all about our personal relationship with him, right? And our close relationship with him. So we have to, uh, to realize that our God is a one-on-one God. And not only does he want a one-on-one relationship with us, but he wants us to have one-on-one relationships with others. And that's really the best way to pick to, to, uh, to do ministry and to minister to someone is to be in their lives and to know what's going on. And um, same thing goes with helping people with PTSD. Um, We need to love them, give them opportunities to share in a safe place, and um, not forget about them as we we do church and we plan church. Because uh, anytime we plan church, we need to be thinking about those who are not here yet um, as opposed to just taking care of those that are here. Um, So I know it's a hard thing to balance. I know you might be listening to this thinking, well, what am I supposed to do, or how can I do that, or... Um, that just sounds like too much, and, and it probably is too much. But um, we also know that Christ is enough and that um, he'll open your eyes and he'll help you see um, what you need to do and how uh, people in your community, specifically those suffering with PTSD that we're talking about today, um, can um, be helped and can be loved by you and the church. So uh, you can find me at ShoutingIntoTheWild.com or ShoutWild.com and ElephantPew.com for uh, podcasting and stuff like that um and
1: yeah all right thank you so much for subscribing and listening you guys um we can't tell you how much how humbled we are that you decided to allow us to be a part of your day you guys really are the best audience a podcast could ask for this episode was brought to you by elephantpew.com and don't forget to listen to next week next week we're gonna have some big announcements big announcements about the future of the elephant in the pew podcast right. and the elephant pew.com it's going to be it's going to be awesome it's going to be huge yes it's <laughs> going to be great
0: Oh, and um, sorry, he's wearing a Johnson shirt uh, for uh, Johnson 2016. <laughs> so you,
1: what you need to do is go to the, it says please subscribe. And oh, and so
0: it was funny for uh, me to say that it's going to be huge, it's just so you huge. know. Sorry, he's trying to get me to change the subject. So um, anyways, uh, you please go to the iTunes, subscribe uh, and like and then rate and review there on iTunes so that we can get you signed up to listen to us because that's really helpful. It helps build up our rep on there and you can also find Find us in all the different locations like Blueberry, uh, Google, all the places, all the places you can find podcasts. Subscribe to places. us because we love you guys and we uh, want to, you to hear us.
1: Thank you so much for listening to us. Have a wonderful week and God bless. God bless.